census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Seventy-three of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host Patrick Gray. Hope you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by the Dorkening Network and Deadly Grounds Coffee. And I am here, of course, not by myself, but with my co-host in the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Real house, Housewife, Housewife. The Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the, what am I missing, the Queen of the Monsters. I know, I know, but that's, I feel like I'm missing something else. Real Housewife of Transylvania, Michael Phelps of Wine, I, know, I feel like I'm missing something. The Queen of the Monsters and an honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, is Ashes One Nightmare. Happy Ashtoberfest Eve, Eve. Eve, Eve squared. Eve Eve. Eve Eve. It's the Eve of the Eve of Ashtoberfest. Because this is going to come out on the 14th. So it's the Eve of the Eve of the Eve. Because this will be the f- Ashtoberfest is this weekend. Well, I, oh, I'm thinking of Ashtober Prime, which is what I call it. I don't know if anybody else is. Ashtober else. Penultimate. Yeah, I, it, Next it's to not, last. It's like the day. Nobody works in the system that I do. Nobody. But yeah, we're of course talking about uh, Ash's birthday, which will be... I have a hair in my microphone that keeps going up my nose. Ash's birthday, which will be on That's the, riveting uh, radio. It is, which will be uh, celebrated during the weekend while we're at Monster Expo. We're very excited to be going back to conventions because we have missed them quite a bit for quite some time. So, yeah, this is our first convention appearance in almost two years. Yeah, it's been... So it's been a long time. Uh, it's my birthday, so come, uh, say hi, buy me wine. Yeah, yeah. I love you forever. Buy me wine, too. You can buy us both wine, but, you know, m- more so her. Hi. Because it is... It I is, like wine. It is your birthday. It is my birthday. Happy birthmas. Yes. I was born. You're welcome. And, you know, we'll probably have to put something up at the at the booth to indicate that it is your birthday. Like, we'll have to do oh, something. Oh, I'm sure I will be enough. Uh, I mean, when are you not? But uh, this week, we have uh, a very interesting show for you because we have another of Ash's first time watches. Yes. It's one of those films that, um, again, kind of surprised that it flew under the radar for so long for me. Yeah, it's one of those... And, like, I had seen it years ago, and I just rewatched it within the last few months, and I'd forgotten how good it was. But even I forgot, like, 
specific people it's that like were the, in the, the movie. Early two thousands gold, you know, like uh films that came out between like nineteen ninety nine and we'll say like two thousand and ten. See, okay, yeah, two thousand and ten. Uh so films that span like this. 10 11 12 year range there are so many films that run out you know and i i actually i figured it out i figured out why a lot of the especially this film because i actually remember seeing the bathtub scene like when i was watching it i'm like i think i've seen this before and it, it was, was part of the trailer in well not that but in college this was way before like streaming services were a thing uh red not red box but netflix was the dvd service that you had to you know they mailed you dvds and you had to mail them back so they'll, then they'll mail you more um on campus uh where i went to college they had a like movie station and they would play pretty much like the same two films for like a week straight. And so I remember having the movie station on while I was studying one day. And I think it was on that. I, I think it was on this film because I remember that scene, but I wasn't really paying attention to it because I was studying and I had way too much other stuff going on. The reason why I didn't see many films between 2003 and 2007 is because my stupid ass decided to uh, major in biology in college. And not only biology, but biology and biotechnology with a slew of uh, concentrations and- Genetics and evolution. And bioethics. But, Which um, is a, a <laughs> slight against God. God, by the way. <laughs> Go to hell. Um, you know, so I think the reason why I didn't see some of these films during this time was because I was just, my nose was in a book or I was in class or I was in, you know, lab or lecture or what have you. Or like you had some I spent a, like four solid years just... You know, if I wasn't studying, I was partying my ass off. How I managed to, to graduate with the GPA I did, I have, I have no idea. But uh, Anytime anyways. you see something like that, a wizard did it. A wizard <laughs> did it, yes. Yes. Uh, so anyways, yeah. So this film really was like a first-time watch for me because aside from rem vaguely remembering uh, seeing that specific scene and having really no context to go with it, um, this was good. Yeah, so we're, of course, talking about 2005's Constantine, uh, and we're going to be talking a bit about the titular character, but only in the context of this movie, because we know that there's... And his cousin, Occasional Teen. Occasional Teen. That's, his, that's, the, that's the prequel, and everything kind of came full circle with Oval Teen. So we are going to be discussing this particular incarnation of John Constantine, not the Matt Ryan version that was on whatever channel it was on. Uh, maybe touch a little bit on some of the Justice League dark stuff because we've seen a couple of the movies, but I'm not overly familiar with the comics. So we're just going to kind of focus on uh, this version of Constantine. And, um, you know, it kind of got us thinking and uh, led us to our uh, getting into character question this week of... You know, if you had a haunted house, like you were living in a house that was haunted and you needed someone to come and remove the ghosts, 
who would you call? Or would, if you yourself was haunted and needed someone to come remove the ghost. Like possessed? Yes, like possessed. Uh, so if you were, yeah, so if there was some sort of uh, supernatural entity removal service, uh, who would you, who would you uh, contact in order to perform said service? Now, of course, if you have an exorcism, you will need to know how much to tip your exorcist. And if you check out uh, Amazon, you can find a book called How Much Do You Tip an Exorcist, written by me, uh, and soon to be a horror anthology. Hopefully. No, no, it, it, it is. It's just, you know, it probably won't be out till the end of next year, but uh, that's in the works right now. So, yes, uh, we have that going on. Um, so we thought... You know who would you who would you want to uh, to come exercise with? Like if you needed to get in shape, who would you exercise? <laughs> Richard with? Simmons. Oh wait, not that type of exercise. So, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? So, fun fact: if you search "exorcist" on Google, you get a bunch of fun stuff, including Google suggests "exorcist near me." Uh, you can search for that. Uh, let's see. An article, How an Exorcist Priest Came Face-to-Face -face with the Devil Himself. Uh, oh, this is a fun one from NewRepublic.com. The Exorcist Who Want to Purge America of Liberalism. I also saw an article, I believe it was based out of Indiana, saying that... Um, I'm trying to see if I can find it. Uh Seeing how um, more exorcists were needed during the pandemic than any other time. Makes sense. Because Everybody's people fucking were around alone. with Ouija boards. Well, I mean, people were alone with themselves and with their own thoughts and, you know, Can't dealing with different things. So, um, yeah, if you just Google exorcist or exorcists, uh, you just get a whole slew of, of fun stuff. Um, but if I was, if I was possessed... Um, I feel like I wouldn't be possessed for long because no demon would want to stay here. <laughs> demon would be drunk all the time. Uh, demon would be like, man, I'm leaving this bitch. I can't handle my liquor. What is with uh, this back pain? Oh, my God. Right. This is how you live every day? Right. Yeah, strap in, sucker. Um, so I chose uh, real people and then a fictitious person. So for real people, I actually went with the Warrens. The cat's yelling at you. She's not Not happy. only um, are they really well-versed, they did, t I want to say, like, tens of thousands of, like, exorcisms, uh, you know, um, paranormal investigations, uh, ridding people's homes of demonic entities, uh, getting rid of of uh, demonic or possessed artifacts. I'm looking at you, Annabelle the doll. Banana uh, Bell. Which is actually one of those Raggedy Ann dolls, which, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, they think that it's, you know, similar to the doll that you see in those Annabelle films. And it's not. It, it, it's, this, it's this cute little sewn, yarn-haired Raggedy Ann doll. Uh, looks like one that I had when I was younger. They look all the same. Like well, they, they do. Andals. I mean, like there there are some some uh, some uh, differences sometimes in the way that they're dressed. Or most of these raggedy and dolls were sewn by hand, so obviously there's going to be some differences with like the stitching and whatnot. But for the most part, they all look you know 
similar. Um, but I, I feel like uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren are not only, you know, really educated on the topic and really, you know, just well-versed in how to handle certain situations, that they would do it in such a way that was, um, they would complete the task at hand. You know what I mean? They wouldn't half-ass it. You would have their full undivided att attention. You know, I, I just, I, I feel like uh, they would just, they would get the job done. They would understand what the job is and they would just do it. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're possessed, if you're dealing, you know, with an inner demon or, you know, your, your home is, is possessed by some sort of entity or, or something, you know, you just want to rid yourself of that as soon as possible. And I feel like they would be really successful in doing so. And fictional character, um, fictional, fictitious, fictional, fictional. fictional. <laughs> I, I, I'm so tired. I barely yeah, even I'm going to add that, that to the was... dictionary of ashes. Uh, fictional uh, character is Norman Babcock, best known as Paranorman. All right. Because not only can he see, so, he, you know, if, if, you know, my house was possessed, if there was an entity in my house, he would be able to see it and, you know, talk to it and maybe, you know, coax it to go away. He also. It. What? Maybe even love it. Well, I was going to say, like, his bedside manner is so nice and inviting and welcoming. And, you know, I feel like if I was in that situation where I needed something to be, you know, gone, gotten rid of, be gone, evil spirits. The power of Christ compels you. Just kidding. No, it doesn't. Um you know, I, I feel like I would want someone to kind of, you know, talk to me in a very uh, soothing way and put things into perspective in um, you know, just, a, just a nice way, you know, and, and he did that and he was able to rid his town of this horrible curse. Uh, because, you know, these these people did this horrible thing to this little girl and she cursed the town and he was able to not only convince this little girl's, you know, ghost to cross over, but he did it in such a way where he was able to soothe her rage and speak to her on a level and apologize to her on behalf of everyone and, you know, kind of kind of talk her down off that ledge that she was on this, you know, crazy, demonic ledge. So so I feel like he would do a really good job. Plus, he's adorable. And I just want to hang out with him anyways. So for me, I mean, there's a lot of conflicting stories about how credible and fraudulent the Warrens were you know like some of the stuff they did was legit but like a lot of other things they did was just reminds me of the opening of the exorcism of uh, Emily Rose where everybody had like all like the fishing line and shit tied to the bed so the bed would move and like all these things were happening to make it kind of like it's almost like sleight of hand uh, exorcisms so I've just went fictional characters like 100% fictional and uh I went John Constantine because his bedside manner like he's not nice he's like this is Constantine well you John just want Keanu Reeves to whisper in your ear asshole um but 
What if, and hear me out here, what if your house is full of people that you don't want? You would need a bio-exorcist, and there's only one person to call if you need people out of your house. Beetle, beetle drink? Beetle, beetle liquid refreshment, I'm pretty sure. Beetle guys? Beetle orange? Beetle orange? Beetle drink? Yeah, it's beetle liquid refreshment guy. So that's who I that's what I would do. Those are my my two. I mean, Father Karis and Father Marin, you know, obviously honorable mentions right there. Um but yeah, probably Constantine and 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 beetle guy. So my question to you is, do you believe in exorcisms? Like, do you believe that people can be demonically possessed by demons? I believe that what we consider to be demons um, doesn't necessarily fall into the realm of the religious uh, view of demons. It's almost like it's a collective term for any... uh, uh, malevolent entity it could just be bad energy it could be uh, a vengeful spirit doesn't necessarily mean that it's you know a religious devil from hell you know well, what I mean and we know now that a lot of times you know before I'll, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt quote before they knew better unquote um a lot of times mental illness was classified as demonic possession because they just say they, you know, didn't know any better. Oh, this is hard like to understand. Demons did it! Bipolar disorder. You oh, know, a girl doing math. She's a witch. Multiple personality disorder. I, well, I mean, that was just, you know, the, the, the patriarchy. But I mean, that's, uh, that's you know. Bullshit. Um, you know, so. Well, I mean, that's why the vibrator was invented because the. Anytime a woman exhibited any signs of not being subservient, <gasps> you're hysterical. You need orgasms. And, like, that's what the... the yes. Yes, I do. That's what the... Uh, <laughs> and, like, that was the treatment. Like, you would go to your doctor and he would use, like, it's not a surgical, but, like, you know, like, you know, they crack open, you know, like, now they crack open, like, a thing of tongue depressors or, or whatever, you know, and, and they would use, you know, vibrators. And like, yeah, yeah, that's why you're 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 hysterical. So freshly sanitized vibrator. Probably not, because this was like back when cocaine was still in soda. Um, ah, the good old days. But yeah, like that. You know, it's like, oh, you you seem to have too much blood in your body. That's why. That's why you're not feeling well. So. See, Let's leech you. I think <laughs> leeches, screeches. Um, see, I, I don't know if I necessarily believe in demonic possession, well, so to speak. If you believe in demons, you have to believe in angels. And if you believe in hell, you have to believe in heaven. You can't get one without the other. If there are two sides to a coin, you can't have one and neglect the other. So if you say, oh, yes, yes, demons are real. Then it's like, okay, then so are angels. Well, I mean, I definitely believe in the, like, supernatural paranormal. I believe that there is a, uh, there, I believe that uh, there is a science to it. Uh, it's something that science really hasn't uh, spent much time on because, you know, we're too busy trying to uh, 
solve other world problems. But, um, you know, there, there are some people who have done some work with it. I think some of the stuff that you see on, like, TV and whatnot, it's... it's it's a dramatization. It's for TV, but I mm -hmm. do believe... You know, I, I believe that mediums do exist. I believe that there are people who can see and have a, um, a higher consciousness, like a higher awareness of what's going on around us. It's simple um, science. You know, everything is made up of energy, and energy, well, energy can be cannot created be created or, or destroyed. destroyed. It can Albert only change Einstein. forms. Right. And when it changes forms... It has to go somewhere. It has to do something. So, like, the energy that is you, your soul, so to speak, like the energy that is you, the electrical impulses that make up who you are. Because, you know, you are not your body. If you think about it, you are a brain encased in a bone and flesh mech suit. Because your brain is who you are. Well, I mean, ultimately, like, your brain is, you know, a bunch of electrical impulses. Right. It's just energy. Just energy bouncing back and forth between neurons. And so some energy is good. Some energy is bad. Like, it all depends. Like, certain radiation can be helpful for shrinking tumors, but other radiation can be what caused those tumors. Right. It all depends on what exactly it is and the frequencies and whatnot. And how much you are exposed to it. You know, like, we all use... Uh, cell phones and microwaves every day but that's not the radiation that'll harm you and i believe it's the same thing once you know people's spirits are or their energy their souls like those are the the you know the evil entities that uh, are able to interact with people just as some people are able to you know like you said medium some people are able to interact and see these these uh, energies uh, some of these energies are able to interact with people without them knowing it. You know, that's that's my thoughts on the matter. So going with that, do you, I mean, I don't mean to delve into another rabbit hole, but um, do you believe in reincarnation? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, it depends on, you know, the, as far as I'm concerned, it depends on the receptiveness of the uh, the person in life, like if you are a spiritual or religious person, I think you're more likely. Like if you're open-minded, you know, it's like the folks who are you know are open to psychic connections and things like that tend to be the ones who have these type of interactions. And you know, we see that in in the movie in Constantine in Rachel Weisz's character of uh, Angela. Um, we get to see that if you close yourself off to it, you know, even if you have this predisposition that, you know, you can lose that connection. But I think if you're open to it, you know, who knows? And, you know, I mean, the Hindu religion is all about, you know, the better you are as a person, like the better you will come back in life. Like if you're a shitty person, you'll be like some lower uh, form of life like some kind of slug crawling through its own slime if you're a jerk bag but if you're a good person maybe you come back as a per another person or maybe you come back you know like you really want to be a tiger so you could be a tiger or maybe you really want to be a bat you could come back as a bat you know experience what that's life that life is like and you know 
see the the world from a different perspective until you reach the highest plane which in buddhism would be nirvana the state of state of existence achieved by the extinction of the self how about you oh absolutely i absolutely believe in it you know and and uh it does kind of contradict obviously some of my studies and stuff but um with what einstein said you know uh matter can really never be like energy. You know, energy energy can never be created nor destroyed you know um your energy has to go somewhere you know and there are so many times when um i mean you see it in families you know uh so and so you know like oh like my child looks exactly like my great 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 you know grandmother or something and you know um <clears throat> excuse me you know it has a lot of their attributes and stuff uh, you know, so sometimes it's passed down and it's not just genetics, you know, it's, it's not like learned behavior. It's, it's, it's stuff that's almost like naturally ingrained in them. So, um, I think there's something to be said about all of that. And, uh, you know, I love that. See, like not not necessarily the theories of energy. So there's this theory right now, and I, I should have done some research on it, but I didn't. We didn't. This no, this was this, where the conversation yeah, was going to go. Um, part of the so, script. So uh, that the universe, like our actual universe, our galaxy, surrounding galaxies, are made up of energies, mm -hmm. and how there are kind of uh, so not like a god, not like anything else, but there are these forces bigger than ourselves like ourselves dark energy that negative are energy. kind of swaying how things are going you know like they can these energies can affect things like mercury being in gatorade yes like mercury being in gatorade uh or like every planet being in fucking retrograde I believe saturn is coming out of retrograde soon so you know we're once i'm and mercury comes out of retrograde soon as well uranus um, is in retrograde so chill your ass out <laughs> but there is you know it, it, a lot of people don't believe in horoscopes and a lot of people don't, you know, and, and but there's something to be said about all of that. There really is. And uh, a, a friend of ours, Old Man Wade, asked mm -hmm. me once, you know, how can I practice witchcraft and believe on all of this, you know, energy stuff and like spirit related stuff, uh, you know, while being a science person and you know actually you know have, having studied certain things and you know a there's a lot of stuff in science that we don't know yet uh that we're in the process of learning but um it explains a lot yes it explains a lot and you know for me believing in different energies the transfer of energies you know the sending of you know when you manifesting something um you know, sending quote positive vibes to people you know uh not necessarily unlike praying but in a different plane because you're not praying you're to not this for well something. you're not praying to this higher power you're not playing you know praying to this man in a chair sitting up in the sky you know hey make this person better santa? you're sending yeah yes santa Dear Santa, uh, you know, you're you're sending those energies directly to that person. Yeah, I get it. You know, there's no, like, medium in between the two. I'm sorry, my cat is yelling at me. Yeah, what? Bobby's just yelling. She wants attention. Oh, my God. She's 
sleeping on your overalls. Yeah, she's over all this. Yeah, she is. So, anyways, I think that's a really good place to kind of. I mean, like, I could, I yeah, could we could spend some we time. Could probably have um, a whole. You know, I would want to. I would want to do some research on it to kind of get all of my uh, ducks in a row, so to speak. But. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is a really good place to kind of wrap this section up. And yeah, we, take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking Keanu Reeves as John Constantine from 2005's Constantine. Huh. I really want to caffeinate myself and others and support small businesses, but without having to put pants on. Huh. I wish there was a way to do that. I know. I'll ask Reflexa. Reflexa, what can I do to caffeinate myself along with others and support small businesses without putting on pants? Here is a targeted ad based on my constant surveillance of your thoughts and actions. Wait, what? Are you looking for a way to caffeinate yourself and others and support small business without having to put on pants? Well, then head on over to DeadlyGroundsCoffee.com. Deadly Grounds Coffee has smooth, rich flavors to satisfy the cravings of everyone on your list. From traditional flavors like pumpkin spice and French roast to more daring flavors like Hell's Fury, Highland Zombie Grog, Day of the Dead Roast, and Witch's Brew. And now, for a very limited time, you can try Butch Patrick's Dragula Dark Roast. Butch Patrick is known around the world for his role as TV's Eddie Munster. And when we deadly grounded him at a horror convention, he became such a big fan of our coffee that he hand-selected one of the roasts to make his very own. With most of the conventions on hold, Butch made available a limited supply of his Dragula Dark Roast, named after one of the coolest cars in television history. Personally autographed for our Deadly Grounds coffee fans. It's a delicious roast, silky smooth with a sweet finish. Perfect for any time of day and great for the coffee and butch fans on your holiday shopping list. This is only available while our limited supply lasts, so hurry and get yours today. This holiday season, it's time to get a little deadly. Go on, you deserve it. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkning Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. you travel in the occult exorcisms easy there hero that's dragon's breath i thought you couldn't get it anymore oh i know a guy who knows a guy i thought that you could at least point me in the right direction yeah okay sure please what if i told you that god and the devil made a wager for the souls of all mankind no direct contact with humans, that would be the rule. Just influence. See who would win. Demons stay in hell. 
Angels in heaven. They call it the balance. I need to see what you see. You do this, there's no turning back. You see them. They see you. Understand? And we are back. That, of course, was the trailer, which, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. A lot of these more modern trailers, like the last 15 years or so, they show a lot more than you would want them to, um, especially this one. You know, and obviously listening to it, you don't get to see some of the visuals. But there are a few things that... I would almost consider spoilers uh, because if you hadn't seen the movie and you watched the trailer, you would be waiting for some of these specific scenes and some of these specific scenes don't occur until the very end of the movie. <laughs> like during the climactic third act, you know, like when you finally get to see Peter Stomare as Satan, like his name is Satan. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, it, that irritates me. But that, of course, was the trailer for, uh, like we said, 2005's Constantine, in which Keanu Reeves plays the tit the titular John Constantine. So, just kind of a quick aside, fun fact: um, the devil in this film was, or, or Lucifer, or whoever, uh, was actually going to look like a almost like a leather daddy. I did kind of like the all-white outfit with the... Like the black tar. Bare feet on in the, feet. the tar. Yeah. 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 So I, I thought that was very... Uh, I don't know exactly who made that call, but whoever did that, good job. Uh, yeah, he was going to wear like a, a leather suit with like a bare chest and a collar or choker or something. Yeah, it was going to kind of look like a like an early 2000s like vampire club. Yeesh. No. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that they went in a in a different direction. Yeah, the oh, the blazing white suit. I did yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really, especially you know, it's such a contrast to who that character was supposed to be. Yeah, uh, they definitely made him like sophisticated, as opposed to like. I'm the devil. You know, uh, we've seen various uh, depictions of the devil or Lucifer or or someone who is a direct uh, 
Di- uh, not analog. Yes, of of who who Satan is supposed to be, and I thought that this portrayal was really spot on because he was very he was rather clever. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you knew who he was when he appeared. You're like, oh, okay. There was something about the the air of the character, the way that the character carried himself. Oh, and the first thing uh, he said to him, he goes, "You're the only soul I'd come up to collect myself." Yes. And Constantine's like, "So I've heard." Because, like, that was a That's line. That's something that Papa Midnight told yes. him. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I thought that was, um, two characters really stood out aside from, obviously, uh, Keanu Reeves, John Constantine. And that was Peter Stamare's Lucifer. Mm-hmm. And Tilda Swinton as the Archangel, Art, <laughs> Archangel. Archangel Gabriel. Yeah, she was great. In I mean, this. she is great in pretty everything. much everything that she does, and the way that it was, she was just this, this role was really just effortless for her, and she plays it. Uh, she really plays up her uh, androgynous aesthetic in this, which just really works, like really works to the character. And yeah, it's great casting, like. Even, like, you got, like, really surprised when they showed uh, Balthazar, and you're like, is that Gavin Rossdale? Gavin Rossdale? Yes, yeah. I, okay, so maybe three, because I, I had no idea he could I totally act. forgot he was in that. Well, like, and, but he wasn't terrible, Jaiman that's Hansu. the thing. Like, yes, he was good, too. But I'm just saying, like, the, the two characters who really stood out were, you know, uh, Lucifer and Gabriel. Um yeah, but I like, mean, even like, it obviously, you know, Rachel Weiss is just she's also fantastic in pretty much everything that she's in. Shia LaBeouf just played Shia well, LaBeouf. So, but here's the thing: it's it's Shia, Shia LaBeouf before he became insane. Uh, no, but no, he was, don't say that. He, you know, before he like he obviously like. Shia LaBeouf obviously has has issues as a person. You know, he's a, a rather troubled individual. And, you know, this role was definitely before, you know, he's not a terrible actor. No, but like this role, like I saw no difference between how he was acting in this and how he acted in Transformers. Like he was that same awkward, goofy, hyper character. But I mean, I think that's why they cast him, because they wanted him to be... That way, right. he needed to be a contrast to Constantine. You know, John Constantine is this—he's this brooding character. You know, he's pretty much you know on the on the last uh, on his last legs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's uh, trying to make peace with himself and with his God, and you know, trying to ultimately just survive. Where you have. Shia, Shia LaBeouf's character who's like this wide-eyed like I can do anything you know like uh, just let me come let me help let me tag along let me do this yeah and he's you know just like really optimistic for him right like you know his optimism is a far cry from Constantine's pessimism and that 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 comes from his line of work that comes from the years upon years upon years of doing what it, he's Constantine's been doing Constantine's seen some shit right and uh, Shia LaBeouf's character, whose name I don't recall, I want to say like, like Chaz or Chaz. 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 I was gonna say um, Mac, and it was something like that. Chaz. Um, 
he has not seen the same things. He's read a lot of stuff, you know, and he does have that scene where he's rather helpful towards the end. But, you know, reading about performing surgery and performing surgery are two totally different things. And he finds that out firsthand, and those are his last words. It's not like it is in the books. Um, so wh- what do you have in your notes about who Constantine is? So, well, first I kind of want to start off by talking about the DC Comics version of Constantine. So he comes from a group of books called Hellblazer. And the film was actually originally titled Hellblazer, uh, but Hellboy had just come out in 2004, and they thought that it was too similar, too similar of a name. They wanted it to... Especially because they reused some of the props. You know, yes. Um, They wanted it to differ greatly between the you they wanted people to you know and not, not think that it was right a sequel like be like oh hey I, who's this guy he's not hellboy uh so that's what the they called red it. guy right like so that's why they called it constantine which also makes a lot of sense so in the comics books he is a working class warlock a cult detective and con man from liverpool who is stationed in london he is known for his endless cynicism deadpan starking ruthless cunning and constant chain smoking but he is also a passionate humanitarian driven by a heartfelt desire to do some good in his life originally a supporting character who played a pivotal role in the american gothic swamp thing storyline constantine received his own comic in 19 1988, and the musician Sting was actually the visual inspiration for the character. Who is created by Alan Moore of Watchmen, V for Vendetta, and many, many more. Uh, he is also uh, part Rasputin, part Mall Santa, part Wizard. I guess, you know, the big thing in Alan Moore, not Constantine. Constantine's storyline in the comics is that, uh, you know, he's smart mouthed, he's bisexual, he wants. Well, he's ha- more than bisexual. I mean, he's, he's a trisexual. He'll try anything once, uh, twice if he really enjoys it. Here's my uh, well, ex. Harley Quinn? No. King Shark. Yeah. <laughs> and we get to see him. Um, we get to see more of this character in the uh, animated DC universe. The, uh, uh, the dark, Justice dark, League Dark. Yes, yes, um, which is fantastic. Yeah, there's a few of those um, uh, of those animated series, but I will say the one big thing that we did not get from, and I think this kind of frustrated you know the comic fans, but um, no Liverpoolian accent from Keanu Reeves. Well, so apparently they originally pitched the idea of this character being more like the um, comic book character, looking more like the character, sounding more like the character. But then and they were like, we studios, saw... Well, st- studios didn't want anything to do with that. They're like, we no. We saw Bram Stoker's Dracula, and we know that Keanu can't do a <laughs> British accent. But well, but it wasn't even that. Like, Keanu wasn't... Uh, they were just pitching the idea, and no studio wanted to touch it. But when they switched it and said, hey, we're going to have a, a, an American actor portray this role, they were like, oh, okay, yeah. So, you know, if, if, if that is your main gripe... Blame the studios. Don't 
blame Keanu Reeves. It's not his fault. He just he just did what was asked of him. Um, and I also think that they wanted to cast Keanu because he was, you know, riding high off of the Matrix. Um, the third one, yeah. The like, I think they had done all three by that point. Two thousand three was I think when the last one came out, 2003 or 2004. So he had completed the trilogy at that point, I believe. Um, so yeah, he had he had been flying high and it was before he started doing all his like Man of Tai Chi and like all his like indie stuff. Obviously about a decade before John Wick came out. Well, I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> it's like John Wick meets Jesus Christ Superstar. John Wick Christ Superstar. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, that's the anyways, episode title. That's the episode title. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, the big differences between the two characters right off the bat are his appearance. You know, he is. Uh, you know, he's American. I does don't not look have like Sting. An accent. He does not look like Sting uh, at all in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, darker hair, slightly darker complexion. Um, you know, and, and the sexuality of this character really isn't discussed at all. It is kind of alluded to that he has some sort of uh, interest in Angela, played by Rachel Weiss. Um, but, I mean, that's just because well, he has eyes and is a human. But, I mean, who... who honestly, but there's also point, some, like, some very big wouldn't... tension between him and Lucifer. Well, right. I was just going to say that too. Um, and the fact that, you know, in that final scene when he gives the dagger to Angela and they have like that moment, he's like, you know, the spear of Longinus. Yeah. It's not the dagger. Well, the spear, the dagger, the pointy thing. Uh, when he gives the point, when he gives the pointy thing to Angela. Stick him with the pointy end. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a moment where it's almost like, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, and they, and they, and they don't. And actually, I thought that was brilliant. Even the moment in the car where instead of like them kissing, he kind of like leans to the side and like tells her stuff. Yeah, whispers, you know, important dialogue to her uh so i kind of love that how they they tease the audience a little bit but to be completely honest i think that w i was not uh, that's not why it i was watching be earned. it right like i i wasn't that's not why i was i was watching this um but i loved this movie like i said i, I can't believe it flew under my radar for so long there's something about um so I'm not uh, I'm not one for religion, but you know you do you boo whatever gets you through the day. You know I mean I'm not I'm not here to yuck anyone's yum, um, but I like the stories and I like the iconography, and I like what it represents, and I like the different stories that comes. That, that that stem from it so you know like the exorcist right you know uh, a, a story that is obviously rooted in religion and this this crazy amazing story comes out of it um you know so there's a lot of lore that goes into this um excuse me they they, they take these 
religious figures that you know so well, God and the devil, and they throw names that you're familiar with, you know, Gabriel and Lucifer, and they expand upon it. They create this whole world where, you know, uh, Earth is pretty much a playground for God and the devil. They have this bet as to, you know, who can... um, influence or who can have more influence Mm -hmm. and neither god nor the devil are allowed to step foot on earth however to interfere with creating any choices and neither are demons or angels right but you have all of these halflings everybody's cheating Well, well then that's where the halflings come into play so you have the archangel gabriel who's a halfling Half-breed. Half-breed. Halflings are Half- hobbits. Halflings <laughs> are... <laughs> I was trying to think of that. Like, It's been a long couple of days. Okay, I was so on set to, for 13 have, hours today. You have the halflings today. and the muggles. Uh, yes. They're doing their thing. The nomadges. <laughs> um, so, anyways... Uh, so you have these, these the half-breeds. These half-breeds are the ones part who... Part human, part devil, or part human, part... Part angel, angel. part demon. Um, so you have Balthazar is a half-breed. And Gabriel is a half-breed. And Constantine is, is noticing that more and more half-breeds, more and more... More and more things are happening... Uh, you know, and, and, and more so to um, appease the devil than to appease God. Now, you kind of have to take a, a few steps back because the character of John Constantine, we get a little bit of his backstory um, and it's storytelling that I like. You learn what you need to learn when you need to learn it. Uh so we learn that he is currently trying to the whole reason why he's this demon hunter and you know this this exorcist he's going around and trying to send as many demons as he possibly can back to hell uh is to get in god's good graces because once upon a time he tried to commit suicide yes yeah he uh because of the things he saw and the things you know and nobody understood what he was seeing and they you know his parents just took him to like electroshock therapy because he you know he's had this gift from a young age being able to to see things that the average person is not able to see yes um he didn't want to see what he was seeing anymore and so he he died. He was dead for a couple minutes before he was revived. And like, he knew that he was going to end up in hell and that the things that he could do, the things, the, the, he refers to it as a curse while Gabriel calls it a blessing or a gift, um, which, you know, is a typical trope with things like this. Anytime somebody has like this type of ability, like they'll call it a, 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 a curse, well, somebody else will call it a blessing because they don't have to deal with it. Like, no, no, it's a gift. It's a blessing. It's like, no, it's a fucking curse. Um, they, uh, you know, he, he dedicated his life knowing that he was going to go to hell um, to deporting demons is what he called it. 
like anybody that tried to break the 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 balance um and so we see a lot of different characters that are supposed to help maintain the balance somebody like Papa Midnight uh played by Jaiman Hansu who remains completely neutral and thus uh unaffected by either side um Right, regardless of how many times Constantine reaches out to him to help him. Until he finally, like, proves that there are some issues uh, and the balance that he's trying to protect is swinging too far one way and balance must be restored and there was only one way to do it. Um, I did enjoy the uh, the interactions between them. Like it also shows that there, you know, Constantine has some psychic ability. Every time he would get into Papa Midnight's club, because mm-hmm. he had to read what was on the back of the card. Two frogs sitting on a bench, and then Shia LaBeouf was trying to get in, but his was a rat in a dress. So he didn't he didn't get in because he just said the same thing that Constantine said, but he had a different card, so it wasn't going to be the same thing. And the big thing that happens to him is, I mean, in this depiction of Constantine, he is a chain smoker. We see him, I mean, throughout the film, smoke 13 cigarettes. And that obviously number is that that number is intentional because, you know, 13 is perceived to be an unlucky number. Um, But, you know, this is something he was like smoking since he was what, like 15? Um, Yeah. Just just chain smoking, you know, packs of cigarettes a day, like packs of cigarettes, you know, which is is not so good. So he has terminal lung cancer, and that's why he is so driven to make right and make peace because he knows that he doesn't have that much time left on this earth and he does not want to go to hell. Now he has the ability to send himself to hell and he does that when he is trying to find Angela's sister. So Angela kind of like a, just a bit of backstory. Angela, her twin sister, Isabel commits suicide. So they think, but Angela's trying to prove that Isabel did not commit suicide. Now, Isabel also had some mental uh, health issues. She was in a... Um, Raven scare. Yeah, in a, in a psych ward, so to speak. But uh, it's because she had this... It was It's a parallel to Constantine, you know, because they would see the same things. Like, they... She saw... You know, demons, and she saw. You know, she had that. Right, she she has that. We'll say gift. She has this this gift, a similar gift to Constantine, but nobody believed her, and she didn't know what to do with it. Ultimately, she was committed, and she did commit suicide. Like like she did. He went to hell, and he saw her, and that is you know a a a crime, like one of those like religious crimes. Yeah, mortal sin. If you commit suicide, you are automatically damned to hell, regardless of of how pure or good you were in in life, regardless of what the reasoning behind it is, you're just automatically damned to hell. And in Constantine's case, no matter how many demons he sent back, no matter how much of God's will he performed. Like oh, too bad. Go fuck yourself. Or yeah. as as Gabriel said, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I just came across some information, uh, according to an interview with the AV Club, po- published on August twenty eighth, twenty seventeen. 
Peter Stomare came up with his own costume design for the appearance of Lucifer. The off-white linen suit with tar dripping down from his feet are specifically mentioned. And so the producer and director had initially wanted leather trousers, bare-chested, a dog collar with spikes, and tattoos over Stomare's face and chest. So, yeah. So that's that's who came up with it. Peter Stomare. Which... Rad. I mean, good for him. You know, it was a it was a good choice. Yeah. Um, Much better than the alternative. The reason why Constantine uh, wants to help Angela is uh, a he sees a lot of himself in her. He feels for her. You know, the loss of her twin sister. She feels like she's lost a part of herself. Um, and then once he finds out that Angela herself once had this ability, this gift or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, and has the ability to see things and get in touch with the, the beyond. Um, it's almost like he feels like he owes it to her. Especially he finds out why all these demonic entities are so interested in her because they're trying to use her as a vessel for the son of Satan to come take over the planet. Right. And the only way that can happen is if the other side helps as well. And so there's this whole, like not treason, betrayal plot going on. Right, and and that's ultimately what Gabriel's doing. Yes. Gabriel is betraying Christ, betraying, betraying their God, God yeah. uh, and working with the, with the devil to make this happen. So ultimately, you know... And Gabriel has their own, like, uh, ulterior motives for this, because it's like, oh, you know, the human race needs to be purified and cleansed, and this is the only way... Yeah. Let's like just do another flood. <laughs> just just do it. Two of everything. Let's go. Uh but yeah, you know, and and obviously John Constantine's ulterior motives are to get him to the good place. Uh to, you know, do enough good stuff, but you know, I, at the end of the day, he really cares for people. And the human race, and he wants the human race to survive. You know, because he chooses to... There's a lot of shit going on, but he chooses to see the good in people. You know, like the people who help him, like B-Man. Yeah. Which is another really great character, and I'm really sad at what happens to him happens to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he... Uh, and he... In the end, what he's able to do by tricking both the devil and God into not only giving him more time, but kind of like erasing his past. He, yeah, giving, while he, he was dying and sacrificed himself to get Isabel out of hell. And as, because he was doing that, as he was dying he started ascending into heaven and of course he was flipping lucifer off cuz you know why, why wouldn't, wouldn't you, you? <laughs> um suck it devil and that enraged lucifer to the point where he 
grabs Constantine, heals his slashed wrists, uh, which he started with the left, and when Lucifer reaches for him, reaches with his left, because the left is the sinister hand. Um, he um, reaches into Constantine and rips out all of his lung cancer and says, you know, something along the lines of, you're going to live a very long life so that you can prove that you belong with me and that you're not a good person. You know, so, like, he realized that Constantine had fucking swindled him and tricked him, and he was going to walk away with nothing. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're not going, you're not getting into heaven because you're going to live a long life. I'm healing you getting rid of your lung cancer and you're uh you're gonna end up living a very long life and proving that you are not fit for heaven but that you should be damned for all eternity and one of the very last things we see is constantine popping a bit of Nicorette gum. gum. It was just yeah. I don't know if it was Nicorette, but it was definitely gum instead of a cigarette. Yeah, yes. I was just about to say that. Yes, which I thought was, uh, you know, very poetic. Like he smoked himself insane. It's like, well, I already have lung cancer. I'm gonna he die. Literally, like he literally smoked himself to death, and then realized, you know, going through all of this, that he had something to live for. Yeah, this and, is... you know, knowing that now, regardless of what happens to him, you know, as long as he doesn't commit suicide again, which, I mean, he has this renewed sense of He's self. He's done it twice. I don't... <laughs> well, but, I mean, w- once was for... Because like, he was a kid and didn't know what was going on, but the but second, the second time, time was... second time was, you know... For, for his plan. Uh, for a purpose greater than himself. Yeah. It, which is why God redeemed him. Yes. He sacrificed himself knowing that he was going to go to hell. Um, not just for killing himself, but for everything else that was going on. So, you know, uh, the evolution of this character in this particular film was fantastic because he goes from this, you know, just... Keanu Reeves brooding character. Almost like like just punching a clock nine to five, but then finding new resolve and vigor like just, in yeah, his work. Yeah, like a, a, a renewed, you know, a renewed sense of self or renewed purpose. Um, you know, he realizes that the fight is not over. He's given a, a, a second chance. He's able to go off and, you know, that there are there are more demons to fight. That was a really bad Keanu Reeves, but you're welcome. Um, you know, and I thought that was fantastic. And, you know, again, I don't know too, too much about how this character evolves in the comics, but I do know that a lot of fans, and this just kind of goes for comic movies in general, a lot of comic book fans are um, unhappy with the way that these books, these characters translate to the screen. And what I think is that, you know, they are going into these films expecting to see the character, the this, this you know, huge, voluminous, uh, 
you know, some of these characters have so many different storylines. It's ridiculous. You know, it's it's so hard. I mean, we were just talking about this the other day. That's why we haven't covered any Batman or Superman or, you know, Spider-Man. So some of these characters that have all of these different storylines because you know what we're trying to do is is break them apart and then you have the comic book storyline and then the cinematic storylines and then you have all the different versions of the cinematic universes and it's a lot it's a lot so i think fans of the comic books go into these films expecting to see things done verbatim they're, they're expecting to see pretty much the comic book strips translated perfectly to screen they want to see the same exact story and they don't get that i mean they get different parts of stories they'll introduce you know certain weaponry uh certain like secondary and tertiary characters that help aid the story that they're trying to tell and they might take bits and pieces of different storylines and stuff and, and and bring it to the cinematic universe but ultimately you know they kind of they, they change it and they create a new story and my thought process is isn't that fantastic yes because you're getting another story you're not you know when something is translated from book to screen you don't want to go and see a depiction of something that you've already read because you know what's going to happen don't you want to see something else don't you want to see you know obviously i think it depends you know um like, don't you want to see something that, yes, is inspired by the source material, but maybe goes in a different direction or maybe tells a slightly different story? Well, I mean, the, because the, then you have then you have two content sources. You know what I well, mean? Well, it's not just that. It's I already know what's going to happen next. You know, use Infinity War as an example. Like they changed the Infinity Gauntlet story enough. They kept the the heart of the story, but they changed it enough so that you know, casual movie fans or casual comic fans, you wouldn't know what's going to happen. And neither would someone like me who like the infinity gauntlet is one of my favorite storylines of all time. Like I've read it forwards and backwards a hundred times. Like I know what's going to happen, but you know, taking out some of the elements that make it, you know, uh, like the whole courting death thing is, uh, you know, taking that part out and making it all about, you know, balancing the universe and making it fair, you know, taking the, making Thanos dispassionate instead of doing what he's doing as a crime of passion, I think is, uh, was a great way of doing it. So I can see both sides of the story where it's like, oh man, I would love to see this exact story put on film. But at the same time, you know, it's like I'm okay with them slightly changing it and making it, um, you know, different so that I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, as far as the characters and like the characterizations go, I feel like as long as they keep the heart of the character, you know, and, and I'm not even talking about the character's appearance, mind you. Like, I don't mind so much if it changes from, you know, uh, paper to screen. But, you know, the the soul of the character, the reasoning why behind the character does what it does. You know, they're not going to take Batman and make him a bad guy. 
you know. Well, I mean, they well, did. they did, but okay, yeah, but but I mean, but okay, but that that's that was a <laughs> that was a bad example. They're not going <laughs> to make Captain America pot a Hydra. Oh um, wait, they did that. Yeah, oh wait, they did that. But uh, but as as long as the um, the heart of the story. Character stays true to the character again. Like I said, not not so much in appearance, but you know, in the soul and the feel of the character. So you know, from what I know of Constantine in the the comic books and in the DC animated universe, I think they did a pretty good job of that. And to be completely honest, I'm surprised we didn't get a sequel. It didn't do as well as uh they had hoped on the on the um in the box office you know kind of like a lot of the movies we've been covering like you know van helsing and stuff like that you know there's a cult following for it and you know and based on some of the facebook comments that we got um you know when i posted about it um a lot of people like really love the movie and and some of these people are very deeply into the comics well, not only, you know, the the film, so I know this comic book character tends to uh, uh, kind of sway on the more, like, horror genre side, just because of what he deals with, but this film is definitely deep into, the, like, the, the horror genre. Oh, yeah. And, you Anytime know, you it, have it, depictions it, of hell and demons... You know, and and that depiction of hell was fantastic, too. It was based on... Uh, the shockwave right after a nuclear weapon goes off. Mm, yeah. Those, hence the red and like the crumbling and, like the haziness and everything, yes. kind of like the disorientation. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really like that. But, you know, I think that uh, a lot of horror fans like this film because of the subject matter and what it dealt with. And it was pretty brutal at times, too. Oh yeah, yeah. Like some of the death scenes, some of the. Well, I mean uh, the the death scene where, and again, like it wasn't necessarily gory, but it was fucking brutal when he couldn't drink anything. Father he Hennessy. Was, yes, he couldn't drink anything, but he was drowning. The uh, original concept for that was, he no, the more he ate, the thinner he got, and he died of starvation. Mm. Because uh, I guess they had a, ca- a comic book character that did that um, in the in the run of the Hellblazer comics earlier, and when we watched the film, they called the the Spear of Destiny, and I refer to it as the Spear of Longinus, which is probably mispronounced. Uh, but uh, I just learned going through some of the the trivia on IMDb that the Spear of Destiny is also known as the Spear of Longinus, which we knew. Longinus, or Longinus, Longinus, I don't know, was the name of the centurion who used the spear to pierce Christ's side during the crucifixion. Now, I had always known that that's what the Spear of Destiny was. It was the it covered in Christ's blood, and if you carry it before you, your armies are undefeatable. And we see that with the guy who finds it at the beginning of the movie who gets hit by a car and beats the car. Like, the car gets destroyed, Mm -hmm. but he's just like, "Eh, I'll just keep walking. Um, I did not know that thing that the centurion who pierced Christ's side was named 
Longinus or Longinus. Uh, I just thought that was fun because I mentioned that earlier. But uh, what else you got? That's, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. That's all I got. All right. That's all she wrote. That's all I got, too. So, I mean, this is a character we will probably revisit again at some point and talk about the DC Comics version. And the animated version as well. Because the yes. animated... I'm very interested to know about his relationship with King Shark. Like, that... That intrigues me. Um, very interested in, in, in that. You know, like... People think, you know, Harley and Poison Ivy is a, a weird pairing. I'm a Constantine and King Shark. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen this, it's on HBO Max. Um, if you don't have HBO Max, you can uh, grab a time machine and go back to Blockbuster and, and rent it. But uh, I, I highly recommend checking it out, especially now during spooky season. Because like we said, there's a lot of spooky stuff that goes on in this. I mean, what's more spooky than demonic possession, than really? church. And <laughs> church. Um, so, yeah, we highly recommend it. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, wrap things up and uh, give you some battle results. So we'll be right back. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. And we are back. That, of course, being the uh, the end credits uh, music from Constantine, which I thought was pretty good. Like, ah, yes, the soundtrack of the early two thousands. Yeah, I mean it's it's no you know uh, whatever the hell the name of the song from Reign of Fire is. I forget what it's called. Probably like Blazy Flame by 
Jerry and the Flamey Blazers. I don't know. I don't. That's more like a '50s <laughs> band to me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I gotta love that early 2000s new metal. Or like, uh, oh, you know, I think it was a perfect circle, or it sounded like a perfect circle. Well, Burn. That's the name of it. Perfect circle played during. Yes, that's right. Because I made the comment that I I enjoy a perfect circle more than I like Tool. Yes. Yes. Um, but I would need a tool to draw a perfect circle. Probably a compass. That would probably be what I would need, because I'm not a great artist. A compass? Yeah, you know, a compass. You know, the metal point with the pencil in it that you use to draw around? That's what that's called. Is it? I thought it was called something else. No, it's called a compass. No, but a compass just tells you where to go. Well, that's a different kind of compass. The like the magnetic thing with the directions that responds to the Earth's mag uh, gravitational field, yeah, or the magnetic field and points to true north, yes, that's also a compass, but you know that's it's one of those things. It's one of those words that has multiple meanings. Like you know, if you look at the the Freemason symbol, it's the sure square it's and the compass. Nope. Protractor? A protractor is the thing that helps you draw angles. It's flat on the bottom and uh, round on the top, and it gives you the ability to draw angles. That's It's a compass. That's what it's called. Like, you can look it up. You have Yahoogle, so you could check it out. I mean, like, I could, but I'm really not that invested in, in knowing what it is. I think... I mean, I, I recall using one like once upon a time, a long, long time ago. Uh, yeah, because it's like the little metal dealie, and and like it had like a sharp point. Yeah, see, there it is, right there. Compass. There's oh. the directional doodle and the pointy dry toodle. So. Or are those the uh, those are the names uh, those are the for... words that you, if you're in the industry, you know. And my cat just knocked over a bunch of shit on the table and she wasn't even on the table she was on the chair so i don't know why she's knocking things down she's she's making her presence known she was like i was sitting here waiting for ashes and she like walked across not ashes the cat she walked across and like climbed yes, up i i walked me. across and climbed up on yeah, your she shoulder went from the recliner to the chair to the chair that i was in climbed up onto my shoulder and just kind of like flopped herself over but uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this uh, conversation about Constantine. Like we said, you know, during the the main discussion, this is definitely a character we're going to have to revisit because there's a lot of um, a lot of story and a lot of you know character history. There's close to thirty years. Well, it came out in 1988, so yeah, there's over thirty years of uh, of you know source material for us to kind of go over. But you know, that's you know, again, like what you said, Ash is. You know, that's kind of why we haven't covered some of these bigger characters. Like, you know, we haven't really covered much of Wolverine outside of the old man Logan story once Logan came out because we were trying to kind of guess at what the plot might be. Um, you know, there's a lot of this stuff. You know, we haven't talked about Captain America, Iron Man, you know, Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy. There's like a lot of these characters because there's so much source material. And they're vastly, wildly different. Like the Drax that's in... Uh, the uh, original Infinity Gauntlet storyline and the subsequent uh, Infinity Watch is not even remotely close to the Drax that we now see in Marvel Comics, you know, Dave Bautista's Drax. Uh, that Drax was green and looked kind of like the Hulk, but he wore a lot of purple, like a cape. And when Adam Warlock gave him uh, an Infinity Stone, 
he thought it was a jelly bean and ate it. <laughs> he's, he's not very smart. Um, but yeah. So there's there's a lot of different changes that were made to these different characters. So, you know, we can cover different eras. But again, that's why we haven't covered a lot of these bigger names. You know, Batman, Superman, even Wonder Woman, we, we really didn't cover much of. We kind of just talked about her origins, um, like, you know, Marsden and all, and all that. Like, But yeah, I, I do hope you enjoyed this Constantine discussion. And, you know, judging from some of the... Uh, comments we got on our facebook posts uh folks really enjoy the movie so you know hopefully we can get some more discussions with some of you folks who enjoyed the the movie and know more about the comics than us which would be anyone who has even glanced at the cover of a comic but uh enough about that we have some battle results for ye. We do. So last week we threw down best friend beatdown. Which dynamic duo has the guts to defeat their opponents and be the last two standing? It was a TLC match. And by TLC, I mean tables, ladders, and chainsaws. And the location was the cabin in the woods. You could choose from Tucker and Dale from Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Sean and Ed from Sean of the Dead, The Janitor and a Can of Punch from Willy's Wonderland, or Jack and Benny from Benny Loves You. And um, based on the results on both Facebook and the Twitters, Sean and Ed win. Sean and Ed, yeah, that's, that's where I would go. Sean and Ed, you know, while lacking in... They're you very know, resourceful. Yeah, well, lacking in like actual training and physical prowess, um, I feel like you know they cobbled together a pretty good teamwork with a with a cornetto and a really good soundtrack. They got a lot accomplished. A pretty good teamwork. Yeah, a, yeah, a, I, a pretty a pretty good teamwork. Yeah, sorry, it's after We're midnight. We're wording so good. It's after midnight, and I was on set from nine to nine thirty, and got home around eleven. So. Yeah, it's been a long day for me, um, and Ash did science all day, so both of us are pretty fried. But yeah, I, I do I do uh, agree with the poll results. I generally do, you know, even if it's not the one that I voted for, because a lot of these are really really tough to choose from. Like we we come up with some really solid battles. I think, you know, what, what. What? Well, I thought you were going to say well, something. Well, I'm, I'm just listening to you ramble on. Oh. And now I have a cat who's now... trying to get to you. Yep. Ah! <laughs> oh, she just slipped and sunk her claws into my leg. Okay, oh. so because our cat is needy, we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, be sure if you're in the area or even if you're not and want to take a trip, visit us at Monster Expo this weekend, October doing... 16th and 17th. We're going to be doing live streams. We're going to have a network booth yes i was about to say all of that stuff but thank oh. you um yes at fair uh, in Fairhaven, massachusetts at the seaport seaport inn and marina uh it's gonna be a really good time come join the party uh, and if you can join us like patsy said we're gonna be going live and doing some fun stuff so uh it'll be kind of like you're there in spirit uh, but anyways, until next week, kids, we will see, see you, you next, next Thursday. Thursday.